Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Now joined by Mike McGraw. And, uh, boy, Mike, this is a uh, it's great to have you. Um, and I always love to have you around the Masters. But, boy, you all were busy. You had a you had a tournament going. And then you got to turn around and play almost immediately. This is a very busy time. But I guess it, this, this hopefully kind of gets you ready for the postseason. Uh, the all-important stuff, to, uh, everything that's coming up. How are you today? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks. Yeah, very, very busy time of year. But, um, you know, you expect it this time of year, so you're ready for it. Well, now, y'all are just at that traditions and uh, uh, or the tradition, that, go- that golf course there and at club, traditions club in College Station. Uh, and I, I loved how your guys kind of just kept battling and, and hung in there. And this is a talented team. I, I don't know. Maybe you've had better teams, but in terms of depth, I was even noticing, Mike, two of your guys playing in that, 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 that didn't get on this squad that was at that tournament. They were out at Windstar playing, and I thought, man, Luke, and I think, uh, um, you know, Appel was one of those guys, and I thought, those guys are really extremely talented. I guess that's a pretty good problem to have, isn't it, when you've when you got about seven or eight deep and, and, and you really have some decisions to make? Yeah, you hope you always have an, enough depth to, um, you know, make guys fight to keep their spot, but also not so much depth <laughs> that you have a bunch of unhappy guys at the bottom of the lineup. We mm-hmm. we actually only have nine on the team. One has been hurt this spring, and then those other two, Luke and, and Jonas, that you just mentioned, you know, uh, didn't make this trip, so they were they were up at Thackerville. Uh, Matt Roberts has them up there. Uh, and so, you know, yeah, it's – it's a good problem to have. You hope that you're competitive enough every year that it goes past your five men for sure. All right. What do we think? Is you think Matt is? Uh, uh, that's that's interesting. I mean, Matt Matt Roberts has his uh, plate full. Um, it is now. Does Matt know the game of golf? I you know I know he's a uh, he's a, he's he's an athletic looking young man. Uh, certainly uh, was good on screen as a TV guy. Does the man have any skills out there on the golf course? Well, you know, I've never seen Matt play, but he is a golf nerd. He loves the game more than you could imagine. So okay. if you're going to have an administrator t- or somebody take him that's not a coach, you'd yeah. love to have a guy like Matt just because he loves okay. the game so much and he's always trying to learn more and more. Would you ever consider maybe using me if you had like a third tournament? You had Matt at one you guys at the other one, and, and then Mosley at the third tournament. How far do you have to get down to before you start using me? That's, that's right on down there. So, <laughs> I don't know, Matt. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> Didn't even consider it. Very hurtful. I mean, you know how much I'm into this thing. Uh, Mike McGraw joining us on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Tell me about Johnny. Johnny finishes – eighth in this tournament, I believe it was. Uh, he was pretty high on day one, but was very consistent with his scoring. It, Johnny has kind of rounded back into form after being in what you might call a little bit of a funk there for uh, a few months at one point. What, is, what kind of uh, has spurred him on and, and, and allowed him to kind of get back into where he is like a unquestioned number one? I mean, he was always the guy you put down at number one, but it just seems like he's kind of putting those scores that we're more used to right now. 
Yeah, yeah, he's not quite all the way back to Johnny Golf, but he's close. And the trend is what we're loving. He was really struggling with equipment. I won't name the company. I won't go down that road. None of that. But he really struggled big time, especially off the tee with equipment. And so he spent Christmas break tweaking and trying out and testing. And I mean, he spent the whole month literally working on equipment. And uh, his probably his short game suffered a little bit because he didn't pay as much attention to it. But he's got the equipment side figured out. And you've seen his finishes. He's had one kind of bad round is all. The rest of them, I think nine of his 12 rounds are par or better this spring. So he's, he's, he's figuring it out. Uh, he still has a few loose ends that keep him from challenging to win a golf tournament. I think he finished second Laredo by a shot, but probably should have won there. And then uh, the last two in Cabo and here at Traditions, he, you know, he was he was close but he wasn't really contending to win so that's what he's looking for now is is to take that next step to do that man that is fascinating to me um to spend that much time during a break and again these guys he wants to be a pga player so they take it extremely seriously but when you're when you're working on equipment like that mike give me an example like during his christmas break where's johnny from san antonio area or somewhere i mean like where Antonio? yeah where is he going to work through all this uh is it like some, i mean yeah well he had some clubs sent to us that he practiced with uh before finals during mm-hmm. finals and then right after and then started to kind of get a head start on it and then once finals were over he flew himself out to san diego and he visited uh three different major manufacturers that have uh fitting you know places out there and literally spent four or five days just working with all of them and trying to figure it out. And, and they treated him like a tour player, which is great. But the fact is he was able to figure out his equipment issue and then had the rest of the Christmas break to kind of work on it. And his first tournament out, he almost won Laredo. So, you know, he's, it's, it's something you don't really swing very confidently if you're not confident or you don't believe in the equipment. So that, that's a real important factor. Okay. Boy, I love this. I love this angle, and now it's got me wanting to look at my equipment. Uh, I don't think the folks in San Diego would, would want to spend as much time with me, Mike, uh, and, and maybe, you know, especially when they, when they saw my uh, swing. Now, tell me about your other players right now. Uh, Wrightson, I'm thinking about Heffernan. Like, two of your players really stood out to me in the sense that got off to, uh, by their standards, a very poor start. And yet, man, the next couple of days kept fighting, kept clawing, and and I think that's it's got to say something to you. Now, again, you don't want to get into the conference or whatever, and 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 have them blow up on the first day or NCAAs. Uh, so you hope they get that out of their system. But it is a great sign that you can go high and then go really low. I think one of your players I saw went from like an eighty-two to by the last day it was a sixty-nine. What is that? I mean, I guess part of that's a great thing. Part of that, you've got to figure out, okay, what led to them having such a rough start? Right. And uh, the young man you were talking about was Luke Dossie, who's played a lot of really good golf for us. He shot 83 the first round. Yeah. And just, just didn't have any game that day. I mean, he, he just wasn't there. And then the next day played better, didn't play great, but shot 73. And then yesterday – just um, one bogey, I think, 69, pretty as you please, just kind of 
kind of more like the kind of golf he's used to. Trey Bosco was the other player. He shot 82 the first round. Mm-hmm. And now Luke wasn't playing on the team. He was playing as an individual. Trey's score, you know, it, it was for the team. And uh, his second round of 74 was better. And then yesterday he shot one under. So they both uh, trended in a good direction. So they're both, I think, ready to play much better this week. We don't know exactly all the things that caused that. We haven't had enough time to decompress. But we're going to hopefully figure it out in the practice round tomorrow out in Arizona. But I will say this. There's a certain pride that every golfer takes with him. And in my generation, when you shot an 82, just your coaches and a few of the teams at the tournament that actually looked at the scoreboard, saw your name, saw that number, and that's kind of the end of it. But nowadays, you shoot a score. I don't care if you're playing seventh grade anything. If you're playing a golf round of golf competitively, it's going to find its way to the Internet. So it's a very public thing. And I think a lot of the, oh, my gosh, that just slapped me in the face. I've got to do something about it. And there's a sense of urgency and fear or that kind of pressure sort of clears your focus and it squares it away because you really don't have a choice. You've got to get better. Both of them did, and I'm really proud of them for that. All right. Bears uh, notch a fifth-place finish at the Aggie Invitational. And uh, that it is, by the way, uh, speaking of social media, check out uh, uh, two minutes ago, y'all posted Mike. I know you love Twitter. <laughs> I'm joking. Yep. I don't think Mike spends <laughs> a lot of time on social media, but uh, a real nice. It's got some music, kind of a cinematic look back at the uh, at the tournament as y'all he- get ready to head to the Thunderbird. And uh, when you when you slow motion these swings and you put some music to it, Mike, I mean, everybody's swing looks pretty exciting. Uh, I saw the score and a nice shot of the scoreboard. Tell me about the rest of the team. Um, that, that like Johnny's been the unquestioned leader. But when Johnny was having his scoring issues, some other players, man, they started nipping at him. And a couple times they were jumping up and beating him in tournaments. What's that complexion of the team like right now? Because it's kind of a nice uh, mix of youth and experience. And when I say youth, I'm, you're starting to really have a lot of experience. I mean, there's only, you know, I, I got a Drew and some of these other guys, I got to stop thinking of them as the young pups. Um, what is that overall complexion of the team right now? Well, you know, you mentioned Johnny was the leader. He wasn't playing well. And during that time, guys like Luke Dossie, guys like uh, Drew, Drew Wrightson, uh, Tyler Eisenhart, uh, guys like that stepped up in Zach Heffernan and played some really good golf last fall. They've continued it in the spring. I still think all of them have more in the tank. I don't think anybody's knocking it out of the ballpark. I don't think anybody has hit a ceiling or uh, they've all got more potential for growth. But, but it's great for them to show coaches that we don't need just one player up there shooting a great score. We can get we, – we need, he needs some help, by the way. And so – uh, now that Johnny's game is coming back and those guys are still playing strong, I, I feel like we should be pretty good in postseason. We'll see. But it, it, the complexion of the team, you asked, it's good because I think it's, it's a healthy competition. There's six guys left to, to challenge for the five spots that'll, that you know, will actually play at the Big 12 Championship and regionals and nationals. So it's great. But more healthy competition and guys playing better, they've stepped up. All right, do you have any uh, – Mike? Mike's joining us, Mike McGraw on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Do you have any new podcast getting ready to drop? I joked with you about social media. You are a podcaster, though, 
and I really like them. I mean, you, you never know. Sometimes it's your former players. Sometimes it's great coaches across the country. Um, and I know this is an extremely busy time. When will the uh, will when will the next podcast drop? Well, um, just so you know, I'm a streak guy. I love a streak. And so yesterday or Tuesday Monday morning, it was the 142nd consecutive Monday uh, a, a podcast dropped. So wow. I've never missed a Monday for 142 weeks. And um, yeah, it's pretty pretty good streak. Uh, this Monday past Monday was J, uh, Jerry Haas, who is Jay Haas's uh, little brother, uh, who coaches at Wake Forest, and he's coached Wills Altoris, Cameron Young, uh, Bill Haas, a bunch of great players. Um, and he oh, was wow. this past week. And then next week, uh, J.C. Deacon from the University of Florida is a good young coach. In fact, one of the best young coaches in in America uh, is on it. So, yeah, I do have a lot of um, coaches, some retired, some still active, uh, former players, current players, PGA Tour players. But it's it's been a fun project. Mikel got me started on it uh, over two and a half years ago, and I'm 142 episodes in. I Unless, I guess, death could stop me, but that'll be about it. <laughs> let's not think about that uh okay and you know if, if you get you could always use one of our interviews i mean think about how much we share with each other if you ever kind of have a week like oh who am i going to do this week you say oh i'll, I'll put my uh interview with mosley and i i could you know obviously that'll get a, a lot of downloads of course now mike what'd I, you think of this uh what'd you think of that sam bennett I, I i wanted to get your take on that and of course i was asking you a little bit as he was doing it, because I always love to get your takes on things. But this is the Aggie, and there was some thought he might play in that college tournament. But doesn't, I mean, that to me, that says a lot about college golf, that this guy obviously has the game to turn pro, and they used to turn pro after their freshman year, and yet he loves playing college golf, loves being around his buddies, and now you can make a little NIL money, hopefully. And I would think now what he's done at the Masters, he ought to be able to really bring in some NIL money. But I, I bet that was fun for you to see a kid from Texas, uh, a top high school player at Madisonville, making that kind of splash. I mean, to be in second place after 36 holes at the Masters, Mike, that is unheard of stuff. And, and you got to go way back, and you know history better than anybody. But that, that just does not happen. Uh, I mean, it has happened, but you have to go way back. Uh, what did you make of all that as that was unfolding at the Masters? Well, I think I've always said this, good golf travels. And if if you're a good golfer and you're playing good golf, it doesn't matter the venue. You, you can be anywhere, and good golf will serve you well. So I know that's a little bit simplistic, but the truth is if you play, you know, everybody, they get to a venue and they say, oh, my God, there's, there's so-and-so, and there's him, and he's the best player. And, this, you know, you start pointing out all these great players. But the fact is if, if you play good golf, you're going to beat a whole bunch of them. You just are. That's what good golf does. It, it beats people. So uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful testament to college golf, to the value of staying in college, to the value of what you can learn in college from your teammates, from your coaches, from the experience, the great golf courses we get to play, honestly, play some fantastic golf courses. It's like this is a great experience. This is something that is to be a value, and it is a value. And Sam represented his family, his university, the game of college golf in the best possible way this entire week. I was so proud of him. 
Did you, um, uh, I mean, I, I imagine there were several people that were trying to, to sign him at the time. Was that, uh, did, did he, because of his proximity and maybe love of the Aggies, was that pretty early on? Or was there a hotly, was that a, a hotly contested type recruit, uh, Sam Bennett, when he was coming out of Madisonville? Well, I think everybody would like to have had him, but he was going to be a, an Aggie from the very start, and mm. pretty much everybody knew it. So um, it was, it, he was off the off the tar, uh, tables very, very early, and everybody knew it, and so that was just fine. And in golf, thankfully, once a guy is committed to a school, 95% of the coaches will back off. I mean, uh, I still have never done any recruiting of a kid who is committed. I just think it's silly. I mean, it's crazy. He's already made his decision. He's going someplace else. You figure out another plan B is what you better do. Wow. I love that attitude. You see it in football all the time. People flip like crazy. Uh, but uh, but that is a that is a, uh, and a, and a very competitive sport. And uh, now with the transfer portal, uh, it's uh, and, and you know college golf. Y'all had a better handle on that, I think, than most. How to handle the transfer because you had seen it happening a little more there, Mike, than uh, than maybe some other sports. So maybe y'all were a little ahead of the curve uh, in that regard. First time you ever saw John Rahm at Arizona State, or you may have even seen him. You go on some of these uh, international type trips. You may have seen him before that. What's first time you ever saw in person? John Rom, and was that one of those things? Where it's like this is no brainer. He's going to be a he. He's got you know he's got a chance to be one of the all you know one of the greats on the PGA Tour. Yeah, the first time I saw him was at the NCAA Championship when he shot sixty one. I didn't get to watch <laughs> the round that day, but I had seen you know some of his golf uh, swings on the practice tee, that type of thing. And then when I finally got to Baylor two years later. Uh, he was playing the final round at this very tournament we're going to today, the Arizona State Thunderbird Collegiate. Uh, he was playing with Kyle Jones, our player, uh, and you just took one look at John Rahm and you just said, well, that guy's ready. And he stayed in college another year after that, and I couldn't believe it because, and I'm so thankful he did, but he was ready to play pro golf at that time. And, and I think he's a wonderful ambassador for the game. I really do. I, I love John Rahm, and he's such an unusual guy. I love his passion, and he's a great family man but he is an unbelievably talented guy. And, yep, so the first time I ever saw him play, shot 61. I think that was good enough for me. Is Mickelson doing what he did? Is that Put that in perspective of how difficult that is at that course. Um, maybe the British Open sometimes, older guys compete. I guess a little bit at the Masters. But Mickelson to do that, given everything he's been through, and, of course, he brought some of that on himself, but given all the distractions for him to post that score and play like that, what did what did you think of that performance? And and maybe give us a little perspective on how hard that is because you know, I mean, there's only a a few fifty somethings that have ever uh, competed and actually had a chance there. I mean, Jack continued to kind of make cuts, and I'm sure there were some other guys in their fifties. Couples continued to play pretty well there into his 50s. But, I mean, pretty amazing what Mickelson did. Well, it was amazing. And the fact that he won a PGA Championship at 50 a couple of years ago is is unheard of as well. Phil Mickelson is truly one of the most talented guys that's ever played the game. No, no one would argue that. And, you know, regardless of what you may think of him, uh, his legacy, all of those different things, he is an enormously 
incredibly talented golfer. But I will say this, at Augusta, I would think it'd be the, the tournament where you would have the best chance because if you've played in that thing 25 times, it's different than going to the U.S. Open at Oakmont because you've only seen it one time. You played 24 years ago, you played the U.S. Open at Oakmont. But the Masters, there's a great amount of familiarity. So if you are playing well and maybe putting well and you get in position, you kind of remember what it feels like because you've done it so many times on that venue. So uh, I'm not saying that's the reason he finished second. He's finished first or second, I think, ten times at Augusta. I mean, or maybe first, second, or third. But anyway, it's it's a remarkable record. Uh, But the fact is he hasn't been playing all that well on the Live Tour. So Mm -hmm. it's like that – was kind of a shock because I didn't think his game was at that level, but he's obviously lost a lot of weight. He's worked on his body quite a bit and done some extra work, and I'm sure he's probably put in a lot of extra work, which is testament to what can be done with with hard work. Wish every college golfer would even pay attention to that because that's really you get nowhere in life without it, and it looks like Phil Mickelson's getting a long way with it. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. He looked like a different guy. With the uh, with the weight loss, the last thing I had for you is Victor Hovland as nice in person as he like comes across. Like there's just something about him that he just seems like the nicest young guy you could be. And I'm sure he's a stone cold killer when it comes to trying to win those golf tournaments. But is that is that a is is that one of those cases where he he truly is that kind of guy? He just he just comes across as a real gentleman and 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 probably a guy who's going to have a chance to win quite a few majors at some point. Well, great question and the answer is absolutely he's everything what it, what you see it, it's at least that good or better and what makes it better is because he is a superstar who's that genuine. He is a superstar who doesn't fake it. Um there's a lot of guys that, you know, can kind of put on a good front, and then when it comes right down, push comes to shove, they're really not that good a guy, or they're, it's all about them. I think Victor probably needs to get a little meaner to, uh, to win more. But when he wins, and he will win a major, when he does, it's going to knock the, the world on its ear. They're not going to know what hit him because he's already the most popular kid right now, period, playing pro golf. And now when, you know, and he's won three or four times on professional events, but when he wins a major, it's going to be skyrocketing. And he is that good a kid. You'd love him. It's always when I see him, I'm like, man, Mike hung out with that guy every day. Like, that's just kind of neat to see those types of players and and see them on such a huge stage and know – you spent a lot of time with them, and, and uh, that's got to be a, a really cool feeling. All right, Mike, um, I, the Thunderbird, good luck there. That's going to be a – that'll be a great challenge. The turnaround's going to be a little challenge. There could be – I don't know, some guys might be a little tired, but, I mean, what are they, 21 years old, 20 years old? They ought to be able to bounce back okay. So uh, I appreciate you doing this, and y'all, uh, y'all go do well at that Thunderbird. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on again. You bet. You bet. There he goes. Uh, a man who has done 142 Mondays in a row with his podcast. I mean, that is, I'm kind of into podcasting, but I don't, I just don't know if I have that level of commitment. My goodness. All right. We do have some campus confidence.